Good morning. My name is Kevin, and I am the Groups and Disciple Making Pastor here at Genesis Church. And I am excited to have our children in the room with us this morning. If you are a child who is usually not in here, would you stand up for us right now? And adults, let's celebrate that our children are in here with us. All right, kids, I got a question for you. Adults, this question's for you as well. This is what we're going to start out with this morning. The question is this. If you were going to ask Jesus to teach you one skill, what skill would you ask him to teach you? If you're going to ask Jesus to teach you one skill, what's, what would you ask him to teach you? Maybe you would ask him to teach you how to turn water into chocolate milk. I'm trying to be sensitive to my audience. Um, Maybe you, this is going to be so fun, maybe you, maybe you would ask him to teach you how to multiply a few pieces of pizza into enough pizza that would fill, feed everybody in the room. Or what if Jesus could teach you how to walk on water? How cool would that be, right? Who needs to swim when you could just walk on water? Or maybe you would ask Jesus to teach you how to stop a thunderstorm and make it stop raining and make the sun come out. Or maybe you'd ask Jesus to teach you how to, how to make a sick person well. If you could ask Jesus to teach you one skill, what would you ask him to teach you? I want you to turn to someone sitting next to you and answer that question. I'll give you about 30 seconds. Go. I think if I could ask Jesus to teach me one skill, it would be to teach me how to preach. That's what I would, especially timely in this moment, I'd want to ask him, could you teach me how to do that? Well, listen, we're, uh, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 11. Kids, there are several uh, adventure Bibles around you on the floor, uh, under the seats around you. There are some of these. Uh, you can turn to page 1140, 1140 in the adventure Bible. But Luke chapter 11, that's where we're going to kind of spend some of our time this morning. One day Jesus is with his followers, okay? And his followers are called disciples, and they're hanging out together. And of all the things that they could have asked Jesus to teach them, do you know the one thing they asked Jesus? The one thing they asked him to teach them. Let's look at Luke chapter 11, verse 1. One day Jesus was praying. He's praying in a certain place, and when he was finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. Prayer? Really? I mean, what about walking on water or multiplying pizza? Of all the things the disciples could have asked Jesus to teach them, they wanted to know how to pray. And today we're beginning a five-week series called A Praying Life. And this series is based on the book by Paul Miller. It's right here. You've heard us mention it the last several weeks. We probably have about 250, 300 people in our church family who are reading through this book in their connection group. If you're not in a connection group, I want to encourage you to still pick up a copy of this book. We have a reading schedule uh, at the info hub in the lobby that you can, you can purchase a copy and uh, follow along with us. You can find them on Amazon for about 10 bucks. Now, this book is not scripture. It's not the Bible. But... Paul Miller does a great job biblically teaching on prayer. 
And so we're going to spend the next five weeks, and we're going to ask ourselves, we're going to ask the Lord the same question that God, that the disciples asked Jesus. So we want to ask, make the same request of God that the disciples asked of Jesus. And that request is, Lord, teach us how to pray. I'm going to pause right here, and let's just pray that right now. Would you pray with me? Father, I am so thankful that you love us so much that not only did you send your son Jesus for us so that we could have a close relationship with you, but that you want to talk with us and you want us to talk to you and you want us to hear your voice and you want to hear our voice. And so I pray, Father, over the next five weeks, would you teach our church family, would you teach us how to pray? Help us to grow in our prayer lives. Help us to grow in our relationship with you Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So Luke 11, 1, the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. I want to think about this question just for a minute. And I, I want to show you two observations I see with this question. First, I see that the disciples felt insecure or ill-equipped to pray. Apparently, they felt like they weren't very good at prayer, or at the very least, they wanted to get better at prayer. Why else would they ask Jesus for help? And I think it's probably safe to say that most of us lack confidence to some degree when it comes to prayer. Raise your hand if that describes you. Would you say, yeah, I like, yeah. Most of us, to some degree, feel like we are not equipped or we lack confidence to pray in a way that is life-giving and that's effective. Now, why is this? I think there's a variety of reasons. Maybe when it comes to prayer, you're not sure what to say or how to say it. Maybe you would describe your prayer life as dutiful. You pray, but... but if you're honest, you pray because you're supposed to, not because you really want to or because you love spending time alone with God. Maybe you would describe your prayer life as boring. It's just not that enjoyable. Maybe you feel disconnected from God and it feels like God is distant. Is he even listening? Does God even hear our prayers? And even if he hears them, sometimes it, sometimes it seems like he just he doesn't answer them. Maybe you're sitting here this morning, as we begin a topic about prayer, you're you feel a little anxious and maybe even a little annoyed because you've been discouraged by unanswered prayers in your life. Like many of us, I think the disciples lacked confidence in prayer, and that's what motivated them to ask Jesus, will you teach us how to pray? The second observation I see in this request is that apparently the disciples saw that prayer had played a significant role in Jesus' life. In the Gospels, we have over 30 instances of Jesus praying. And I think the disciples saw in Jesus the significant role that prayer played. I think they saw that the secret to Jesus' life, what made him so special, was this close relationship that he had with his father and that it was experienced through his prayer life. Now, we may be tempted to think that because Jesus was God, that he automatically had a close relationship with his father. I think that would be a faulty view of the real Jesus. Jesus was God, but while here on earth, Hebrews 2.17 says that Jesus was like us. And so he had to develop a relationship with God just like we do. And so when we ask, when we ask, Lord, teach us to pray, I want to remind us this morning that we're not really asking God to teach us the mechanics of prayer. While those are helpful and we'll address some mechanics and some practical issues when it comes to prayer, that's really not what we're after in this series. What we're after is... What we want to do in growing in prayer is we want to grow in how we relate to God. In fact, throughout this series, we're going to define prayer this way. Prayer is relating to God the way God wants us to relate to him. 
Kids, if you're taking notes in your handout, you can fill in the blank. Prayer is relating to God the way God wants us to relate to Him. That's our goal as a church family. Our goal as a church family is to relate to God the way God wants us to relate to Him. Now, how does God want us to relate to Him? Well, again, there's no one better to learn from than Jesus. So let's look back at Luke chapter 11, verse 1 and 2, and let's look at how Jesus responded to His disciples' question. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus responds by saying this to them. Well, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. I want to draw our attention this morning to that first word, Father. Father, this is significant. So when the disciples ask Jesus, teach us to pray, his first response is, address God as Father. Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 6 the same thing. He's teaching the same prayer in Matthew 6. Here's what Matthew 6, 6 reads. But Jesus says this, when you pray, go into your room and close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. And then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. When we pray, we are praying, we are talking to our unseen Heavenly Father. In verse 9, he says this, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven. Maybe the most fundamental lesson we can learn about prayer from Jesus, and again, this is in your notes, is that we need to come, we need to, come to God like a child. Come to God like a child. Jesus teaches us this, and really the whole New Testament addresses it. Let's look at a few other examples. In Matthew 18, 3, Jesus says this, Unless you turn and become like little children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. After the disciples returned from a mission trip, Jesus says this to them, and uh, says this about them in Luke chapter 10. Luke 10, 21, Jesus says this, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, this is what you are pleased to do. Jesus is highlighting that the disciples were beginning to get it. They're beginning to understand the posture of what it looked like to relate to God, to relate to God as children. John chapter 1 Verse 12 and 13 says this, Yet to all who receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. Galatians 4, 4 through 7 says this, But when the time had, set, had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive what? Adoption to sonship. You and I, because you are his sons, because you're his sons and daughters, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. And now the Holy Spirit who dwells in us calls out, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. You're no longer a slave, but you're God's child. And since you're his child, God has also made you an heir. Abba, Father. Listen, there is a cry in each of our hearts to be with our Father and to connect with our Father. In fact, I think it's one of the signs that you see that you have the Holy Spirit living in you is the... There's a desire in your heart to be with your heavenly Father. And I think you should be of concern if that desire is not present. You need to reflect on your own life and in your own heart if there aren't times in your life where you just want to connect with your heavenly Father. Because that's what the Holy Spirit stirs in us. That's the, the desire the Holy Spirit stirs up in us. Over and over again, we're told throughout the New Testament that God wants us to relate to him like a child relates to his father. Listen, our identity in Christ is not just some abstract theological principle or truth. Our identity is all about relating to God the way God designed us to relate to him. Author Paul Miller illustrates it this way. I love it. If you read 
If you're in a group and you started reading this week, you've probably read this illustration. He says, imagine with me that you went to see a prayer therapist to get your prayer life straightened out. I think I might start a prayer therapy workshop. I think I probably charge big dollars for that. The therapist says, the therapist says to you, hey, let's begin by looking at your relationship with your heavenly father. God said, I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me in 2 Corinthians 6, 6.18. So let me ask you, the therapist asked, what does it mean that you are a son or a daughter of God? You sit there and you reply to the therapist, well, it, it means that you have complete access to your heavenly father through Jesus. You have true intimacy, not based on how good you are, but on the goodness of Jesus. Not only that, Jesus is your brother and you are a fellow heir with him. The therapist smiles, says, yeah, that's right. You've done a wonderful job of describing the doctrine of sonship. Now, let me ask you this. Tell me, what is it like for you to be with your father? What's it like for you to talk with him? And you cautiously tell the therapist how difficult it is to be in your father's presence, even for a couple of minutes. Your mind wanders. You aren't sure what to say. And you wonder, does prayer even make a difference at all? Is God even here? And then you begin to feel guilty for your doubts, and you just give up. Sound familiar? Your therapist tells you what you already suspect. Your relationship with your Heavenly Father is dysfunctional. You talk as if you have an intimate relationship, but you don't. Theoretically, it, you have a close relationship, but practically, it's distant. You need help. Here's the point. If we struggle in prayer, prayer's not our problem. If we struggle in prayer, our problem is our relationship. We've got a relationship problem. Prayer is just an expression or a vehicle by which we experience God in relationship. I love how Paul Miller points that out. And so what do we do? Well, he points out in his book, there are three ways that we can relate to God like a child. We can begin coming to God like a child. First, kids, this is in your notes. If you want to write this down, fill in the blank. Bring your real messy self to God. Bring your real, messy self. Children are messy, okay? My wife and I were cooking uh, dinner last week. We're having burgers and fries for dinner. And uh, as we're setting the table, we took our eyes off our son Gideon. And uh, Gideon is about 18 months old. We took our eyes off him for a few minutes, and then we found, then we found him sitting at the table. And on his plate was, well, let's just say half a bottle of ketchup. Just right there. I mean, just in like two minutes, I don't know how this little guy somehow emptied half of his bottle of ketchup and it's covered over the entire place. You can't see anything but ketchup. And I'm thinking, how in the world did you do that? Well, that's because kids are messy. That's just, that's how kids are. Kids can be messy. And that's okay. See, that's the good news. Because of Jesus, we can be messy before God. We don't have to clean up our act or fix ourselves up before we go to God. Kids, let me ask you this. What's it like when you first wake up in the morning? When you first get out of bed, your hair is probably a little messy, right? Your, your breath probably doesn't smell very good, does it? You're wearing your pajamas, and before you start your day, you comb your hair, and maybe you wash your face and brush your teeth if you do what your mom and dad ask you to, and maybe you put on a little, little deodorant, and you get dressed, and then you leave the house and you go to school. But can you imagine leaving the house or going to school without combing your hair? Can you imagine leaving the house without any deodorant? Some of you younger guys, you're like, look, a couple of them are shaking heads. Yeah, I do that. <laughs> I'm taking a stand. 
against the machine. Um, <laughs> can you imagine leaving the house and wearing your pajamas all day, every day? Wouldn't that be fun? We don't typically do that. Why? Well, because we kind of got to fix ourselves up before we leave the house. But here's the deal. Because God is our Father, we don't have to fix ourselves up before talking to Him. We don't have to act like we have it all together. We can just be who we are. See, oftentimes in prayer, we are afraid to bring our messy thoughts, our messy attitudes, our messy emotions before God. When we mess up and we sin, we run away from God instead of running to Him. We think we have to somehow clean ourselves up before we talk to God. But we don't have to do that. We don't have to do that. Let's look at just a few examples in the Psalms of how in the Psalms the psalmist prays really messy prayers. Psalm 51.1, he starts out by saying this. Have mercy, about halfway down here. Here's the where the prayer starts. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. That's the first verse in the prayer. That's his opening line. Have mercy on me, God. What's the, what's the psalmist saying? He's coming in his prayer and he's admitting right off the bat that he's, a mess, that he's messy and he's made mistakes. Psalm 86.1, hear me, Lord, and answer me, for I'm poor and needy. Opening line of this prayer. Can I tell you what probably the most often, if you looked at my prayer journal, the opening line that I most often pray? Father, good morning. I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed. Most of the time when I come to the place of prayer, I, I, this is what I'm saying. I'm saying, I am poor and needy. I am overwhelmed. I'm a mess. I'm a mess. Let me tell you something. That's a great place to start in the place of prayer. You don't have to feel like you have to say all the right words. Just show up and say, Lord, I feel like a mess today. Psalm 121, verse 1 and 2, the psalmist says this. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The psalmist, this guy, he starts out praying, recognizing he needs help. He says, listen, I don't have it all together. I'm coming to the one God. I'm coming to the place where I can get some help. How would your prayer life, adults, let me ask you this. How would your prayer life look different if you brought your real messy self in prayer to God? Let me ask it maybe a little differently. Is there any, is there any area of your life, is there any messy area of your life right now that you're not bringing to God in prayer? Bring your real messy self in prayer to God. The second way we can relate to God like a child is this. Share what's on your heart and mind. Share what's on your heart and mind. You know, kids have a tendency to just share what's on their mind. Don't you love that? <laughs> Except unless you're in the grocery store and you're with your kids and you're walking through the store and you're like, oh, they say things and you're thinking, oh, no, I don't want anyone. Don't, don't say that. Don't say that. But the thing is, the kids don't always have a filter, when it comes to prayer, sometimes we need to be more like kids and we need to get rid of some of our filters. Some of us put on religious filters when we pray. We try to say the right words in the right ways. This is a struggle for me at times. I can sit down in prayer and start to get fixated on what I'm saying and what I should say or what I should not say. But I found one of the most effective ways for me to pray is by simply sharing what's on my heart and mind. Miller talks about that in his book. What's weighing on your heart and mind today? What's weighing on your heart and mind today? What's causing you stress in this season of life? What's what has consumed your thoughts over the last, say, the next last two or three weeks? And then let me ask you this. Have you talked to God about those things? 
Have you talked to God about the things that are causing you stress? To talk to God about the things that are weighing on your heart and mind? Like a child, go to God and just share what's on your heart and mind with him. Kids, when you talk to God, you can just share whatever is on your heart and mind. Maybe it's something at school. Adults, maybe it's something at work. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a problem you're facing and you don't know what to do about it. You don't know what the solution is. Maybe it's something that is making you afraid. And maybe it's, or maybe it's something that's causing you to be sad. Maybe it's something that you're really excited about, something that you're really hopeful for. What is on your heart and mind? Have you brought that before the Lord? I think one of the great, way, a great ways to make a little prayer list is to do two things. Number one is to make a list of three or four things in life that are weighing on your heart and mind in this season. And then just keep talking to God. Parents, maybe sit down with your kids today, this afternoon, and you say, hey, what are, if you had to pick out three things that have been kind of, that you think a lot about, or three things that you worry about, or three things that are on your heart and mind, what are those three things? Pull out an index card. Make a list of a few of those things. And then begin praying those with your kids and for those kids and uh, those prayers. And, then, and, and encourage your kids. Kids, you can do this. You can pull out an index card. Just make a little list. Lord, here's what's on my heart and my mind. Parents, you can train your kids to do this at the dinner table. I'll ask my kids oftentimes at dinner, hey, is there anything that made you sad today? Anything made you sad today? Or I'll ask them, is there anything that made you angry today? If you have older kids, one of the things you can ask, ask them, is there anything that's stressing you out? And here's what you can do. You can talk about it as a family and then talk to God about it in the same way. Teach them, teach your kids to relate to you the way you want them to relate to God. First, bring your real messy self. That's how you can come to God like a child. Second, share what's on your heart and mind. The third way you can relate to God like a child is just take your needs to your father. Take your needs to your heavenly father. One of the joys of being a dad of three little ones, and, uh, oh, by the way, little announcement, my wife is pregnant. Yes, yes, thank you, thank you. Making disciples the old-fashioned way. <laughs> Kids, ask your parents about that when you get home. Um, Paul's not going to let me do this again. Um, okay, move on. One of the joys of being a dad of three little ones is that, uh, uh, okay, so a lot of you are, okay, a couple details. Uh, one, um, she's, uh, I think we're 13, 14 weeks, and uh, no, we don't know what gender it is yet. Yes, we will find out. I think we're doing mid-August. Okay, no questions. All right. Um, one of the joys of being a dad of uh, three little ones uh, is that, that, I recognize, like, my kids, my kids recognize they can't do life on their own, right, when they're little. Kids recognize they can't do life on their own. That's why they bring you all of their needs. In fact, I mean, it's very common before 8 a.m., I've met, like, 20 needs of my three children, right? I mean, right from the minute they get up, boom, needs, 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 needs. Now, most of the time, I really enjoy meeting those needs. Why? Because that's my role as a dad. That's my wife's role as a mother that's our role as parents we we get the the joy of meeting our children's needs and that's one of the primary roles of our heavenly father he wants to help meet our needs first peter 5 7 says this cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you our need here listen to this this is really good paul miller says our need and our helplessness is the door to prayer I love that. Our need and our helplessness is the door to prayer. Sometimes we forget that helplessness is how the Christian life works. 
We gave our lives to Jesus because we realized we were weak and broken people living in a broken world and we couldn't rescue ourselves. And so we turned to Jesus and we followed him. But Colossians 2.6 says that just as you receive Christ as Lord, so walk in him. The same way we came to Jesus, weak and broken, is the same way we follow him. Miller says we instinctively want to get rid of our helplessness before we come to God. But the very thing we're allergic to, our helplessness, is what makes prayer work. Prayer works because we are helpless, because we can't do life on our own. Therefore, we pray. When you realize you can't do life on your own, you go to God. Jesus modeled this for us. When Jesus told us, uh, told us to come to God like a child, he was not only telling us uh, to, to, to just pray, he was telling us to do what he was already doing. Jesus brought his own helplessness to his father. Listen to how dependent Jesus was on his father to meet his needs. John 5, 19 says this. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. Doesn't Jesus sound like a child? Not immature. It's the posture. He's a child relating to his heavenly father. He says, I only do what I see my father doing. John 5.30, Jesus says this. By myself, I can do nothing. John 8.28, Jesus says, I do nothing of my own authority. When you've lifted up the Son of Man, then you'll know that I'm, he, that I'm He and that I do nothing on my own. I do nothing on my own. I just speak what the Father's taught me. John 12, 49. For I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I've spoken. Here's the point. Do you see this dependent relationship Jesus has with His Heavenly Father? Miller goes so far to say Jesus is without question the most dependent human being that ever lived. Because he can't do life on his own, he prays, and he prays, and he prays, Jesus does. And when, when we, like Jesus, realize we can't do life on our own, then prayer makes complete sense. Kids, listen. I want you to hear me. I'm sure your parents have told you this, but I want to make sure you hear this very clearly. Your Heavenly Father cares a whole lot about you. He cares deeply for you, and he wants to help you. He wants to help you live your life. No matter what kind of help you need, God wants to help you. When I'm praying for my kids at night, um, I will often ask them, hey, is there anything you want God's help with tomorrow? And they're pretty young, so most of the time they don't, most of the time they don't give me anything specific. But I'm planting that seed. I'm creating in them that pattern. Is there anything you need help with from God tomorrow? Let's ask him tonight. That's a simple question that reminds us that God wants us to help. God wants to help us. What are two or three areas where you feel helpless today? Today, where, 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 where are you helpless today? Where, what are some needs that you have right now in your life? This is another side of that, that prayer list. On one side of the card, you can put four or five areas where, uh, four or five things that are weighing on your heart and mind. You could turn the card over and make a list of three or four specific needs that you have. Just like that, you've got a great little prayer list um, that you can use to guide some of your prayer times. Whatever the areas that you feel helpless, wherever you have needs right now in your life, begin talking to God about those needs. Kids, talk to God about your needs. Tell him what you need, no matter what it is. No need is too small for God to help you with. So there are three ways we can come to God like a child. Number one, bring our real messy self. Number two, share what's on your heart and mind. Number three, take your needs to your father. Now, I'm going to give you one more really practical suggestion that will help you grow in prayer and relate to God the way God wants you to relate to him. 
When you look at Jesus' prayer life, he was intentional about spending time alone with his heavenly father. I think Luke 5.16 is the best summary of Jesus' prayer life. Here's what it says. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Jesus was intentional about spending time alone with his father. And this is what I want to challenge you with today. Spend time alone with your heavenly father. Spend time alone with your heavenly father. Listen, my wife and I can't develop a close relationship if we don't ever get alone together. Kids, you cannot develop good friendships with your friends if you never spend time with them. And while God is always with us, there's something unique and special about getting alone and just spending time alone with God. Our American culture makes it so difficult to learn how to pray. There's so much noise all around us, and we're so busy, we have a hard time just slowing down long enough to quiet our hearts and be still before God. And even in our free time, even, when our, even in our downtime, we fill it with busyness and noise. I don't know about you, but what happens is we get exhausted with life. I, it's, it's true of me. And then we veg out in front of the screen. I do this all the time. We veg out in front of the screen, whether it's a TV screen or a cell phone or video games, internet, social media. Some of you are insane enough. You try to do all those things at once. But this lifestyle is creating in us a restlessness where it's almost impossible for us to be still and quiet before God. And even if we do get alone with God, we find ourselves uncomfortable with the silence because we're so used to the noise. Jesus often withdrew to lonely, quiet places and prayed. If we want to follow Jesus' pattern and pattern our lives after him, we've got to do the same. Get alone and talk with God. Talk to him about what's stressing you out and where you need help. I like to call this a prayer appointment. You've heard me maybe mention this before in the past. Schedule a prayer appointment. Let me give you just a few practical tips. Number one, put it on your calendar. We put important appointments on our calendar. Put it on your calendar. Put it on your calendar. On my phone, I have appointment every morning, a certain time of the morning, and it says Father-Son time. And it's on my phone. And do I keep it every morning? No. But you know what? I've got this, I'm trying to be intentional about saying this is, this is what I'm shooting for. This is the goal, is that I want a pattern of spending time alone with my father. Put it on your calendar. Go to a quiet place. Go to a quiet place. Get somewhere quiet, alone. You got to turn off the phone, uh, get away from text messages, don't, no email, no TV, uh, and just get alone quiet. Some of you, uh, you, like for me, I like the kitchen table. Uh, uh, sometimes if I go real early in the morning, I go to a coffee shop that's not very busy and I'll find a corner spot. Uh, sometimes I put headphones in and listen to some music. That's a great way to, uh, for, your, for your prayer time is put some music in, put headphones in. I'll do, I'll do that even at the kitchen table. I'll put headphones in and, and listen to some worship music because I don't want to wake up my wife and my kids. Um, ben Kraus, I know Ben Kraus likes going for, I didn't even ask him if I got to tell this, but he likes going for walks. Ben will go for a walk. Ben will often say, uh, he, he, I was walking this morning, or he'll take walks in the afternoon. Maybe for you, my mentor back in Louisville, a guy who really discipled me, he, this is what he did. He would take about a 45-minute walk, uh, an hour-long walk, as often as he could, just to get alone with God. Maybe if, you, if you're not walking, but if you're sitting at the table or you're sitting somewhere, you, you bring your Bible and you bring your journal. I love doing that. Uh, I'm going to read Scripture. I'm going to meditate on some Scripture. I'm going to think about it. I'm going to study it. I'm going to use my SOAP study method that we've talked about here at church. Again, I'll listen to some music. Start small. Start with maybe 15 minutes, okay? And maybe you just listen to two or three of your worship songs. That's a simple way. You can do that tomorrow. Wake up in the morning, pick two or three worship songs, spend 15 minutes alone with God just worshiping him, okay? The worship on Sunday morning should be an overflow of what, you be, what you're doing Monday through, Sunday, Monday through Saturday. 
this should not be your primary worship place. You, you should be worshiping with the Lord, and he, and he, wants, to, he, like, he wants this with you. He wants this for you. Uh, worshiping with the Lord and spending time with him throughout your week and throughout your, throughout your days. I had a friend of mine, I, I'll, I'll say start with 15 minutes. I had a friend of mine back in Louisville who once we challenged them to have prayer appointments, and he said, you know, I always heard you all talk about spending like an hour in prayer with God. And then uh, he goes, so one, one afternoon, he said, uh, my wife and my kids were gone. I was at home all by myself, and so I just got down on my knees in the living room by myself uh, and, and just started praying. And he said, then I started praying, and I started praying, and I started praying. And sure enough, when I got finished praying, I stood up and I looked at the clock, and an hour had gone by. And he said, I, I, I want to do that for the rest of my life, to spend time alone with your Heavenly Father in prayer. Kids, you can do this. Let me tell you something. Kids, if you'll make the decision, oh, my goodness, children, children, kids, if you will make this decision, if you'll make the decision to start spending time alone with God right now, and you keep spending time alone with him as you grow up, you will have an unbelievable relationship with God when you become an adult. There are adults sitting in this room right now. If they could go back to when they were 10 years old or 8 years old or 12 years old and they could make some changes, one of the changes they would make is they would go back and start learning how to spend time with God as a child. Do it now. Kids, I'm telling you, take my word for it. It will change your life forever. You'll have a great relationship with God. You can start doing that right now. You don't have to wait till you're an adult. Then parents, I want to encourage you to have a family prayer appointment, okay? Family prayer appointment. Here's what I mean by that. On Saturday mornings, not every Saturday, but a lot of Saturdays, my wife and I will get our kids together in the family room, and we'll have some family prayer time. Now, keep in mind, I've got a five-and-a-half-year-old, a three-and-a-half-year-old, and a one-and-a-half-year-old, okay? So if I can do it with my three little ones, you can do it no matter what, what age your kids are. But here's what we do. We get in the family. We started this about two years ago. We get in the family room, we, tell, we get out their kids' Bibles, we all sit, on the, sit, sit in the couch and chairs, whatever. We give them a little notebook, right? And we all sit together, we put on some worship music, and I'll open up a, a pr- with a prayer, and we listen to some worship music, and when they were really little, it would la- last maybe like two minutes. <laughs> and then they would get up and walk away. And I'd be like, that's okay, that's okay. Uh, but as, they've, uh, as, they, as, they, as their attention span has grown, uh, uh, now, at their ages, we can make it two or three, maybe sometimes four worship songs, which is maybe 15 or 20 minutes. And how well the time, how well the prayer time goes is not important. We want them to be respectful, and so we ask them to be quiet at times. They can ask questions, and we talk a little bit, but we ask them to be respectful. We encourage them to read their Bible. They can't read, so they flip through their Bible. They just flip through it. We give them pencils and papers, and we said, draw something. And so sometimes, like this past Saturday, I told Sayla, I said, why don't you draw a cross? I told her about why she should draw a cross. One day I drew uh, John 3.16. I drew a world and a big heart around the world and a cross that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son who ever believed. And so we, you can get creative as you want to get, as you want. Here's the point. The point is that as a family, we want to establish the pattern of meeting with God together in our home. You can do this. Paul Miller says that Jesus' prayer life was an expression of his relationship with his heavenly father. Jesus wants to be alone with the person he loves. Let's be intentional about spending time alone with our heavenly father. Michael Michael and the band are going to lead us in a song. And I just want to close with this one thought. I want you to know your Heavenly Father 
longs to spend time alone with you. Your Heavenly Father longs to talk with you. And he longs for you to talk with him. And he's excited to spend time with you. And he wants to engage in conversation with you. And your Father delights in you. And you, you, children, kids, you are your Heavenly Father's. You're the center of your Heavenly Father's affection. He loves you. He is so crazy about you. And that's worthy of celebrating. And that's how we want to end today. We want to celebrate that God loves us and that he wants to have a close relationship with us and that he is a good, good God. Let's sing.